Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Alex Pearson. As I've said many times, we will be there putting more money on the table. Uh, but it's also important to make sure that the focus is on results and outcomes for Canadians, including with uh, better use of health data, uh, more uh, more supports for people uh, where they need them across the country. Uh, so I, uh, this is going to be work that we're going to continue doing uh, over the coming, uh, coming weeks as we recognize that different provinces uh, have different needs and different priorities, and that flexibility is an important part of our well, system. There you go. Big day of health talk today and the bottom line, show us the money. I'm Alex Pearson with you on what is going to be a very eventful and busy Tuesday, February 7th, certainly as we move through the day. All sorts of things will happen. Lots of photo ops and smiling faces. And I'm sure by the end of today, we should have a pretty good idea of the framework to this health deal that the provinces have basically been begging the prime minister to talk about for the last few years. Um, And so, look, a lot of it's political. You've heard a lot of it around the news of leaks and this and that. But, you know, it's it's personal. I mean, this is one issue we talk about probably more than anything else. And I'll, I'll bet not one of you listening aren't impacted by all the failures of our healthcare. I certainly have my share of stories. You know, maybe it's a a surgery you can't get or a a diagnosis, something maybe you're sitting in uh, the eMERGE hour after hour. I mean, the bottom line is we aren't and haven't been getting timely care. And we haven't been getting timely care for a very long time in this country, certainly in the province of Ontario. So putting all the politics aside, um, what happens today with the premier and prime ministers matters. And certainly the premiers are under a lot of pressure to get a deal done. Not as much pressure maybe than Justin Trudeau, who needs a win. You know, he needs to stop this slide in the polls due in large part because health is a top priority for Canadians and they don't see the prime minister as focusing on the health crisis. So he is coming to this party late and hoping a big check will do the job. And he needs to get health off his plate. He needs to get this issue off his plate or it's going to be piled on to all the other blunders, you know, things like bail reform that are gnawing at them, gun control made, and other things that make Canadians feel like the country is broken. And so by now you've heard a lot of the, you know, dollars and cents. You know, the provinces want 35% more health funding, but they also want a 5% increase each year. So when you break it down, it's $28 billion. And then they want this 2% hike to the annual health payment, which is now 3%. And that was something that was set by Stephen Harper and roundly criticized by the Trudeau government. And then, of course, the Trudeau government came into power and that annual 3% 
health boost uh, was adopted by the Trudeau government. So they have not raised it. Um, and we'll see if they're going to raise it today. I do not think it's going to be 5%, but we'll see. Uh, the Star reporting that uh, the offer being put on the table is going to be a best offer. Not going to be a lot of negotiations. That's not what this working meeting's about, apparently, not to negotiate. But it'll be billions more for health spending, just not what the uh, provinces are demanding. So more money for mental health, more money for doctors. Premier Ford, of course, uh, has been a big part. He's been at the forefront of a lot of these discussions and uh, bringing all the premiers together, which a lot of times is like herding wild cats. It's not easy to get them all on side, but they're going into this meeting very united. But he doesn't want to leave Ottawa without a check or a deal or something in hand. And he's not going to get the check, but he wants to know what's coming. And so he's already signaled that uh, Ontario is open to striking a deal with con you know, conditions, maybe data sharing and accountability. Saskatchewan and Quebec have already made clear they do not want strings attached. You know, we have not yet heard from Alberta Premier Daniel Smith, who is up for election in uh, not too long from now. So how all of this will affect the talks, we don't know. But it sounds like, from all uh, of what we're hearing, is that we're going to get a health deal, but there's going to be a bunch of side deals that cater to each province. So whatever comes out of today's meeting, whatever the photo ops are and the smiles and the, you know, mugging for cameras, it cannot be more politics. It just can't be. Because the polling makes clear there is no appetite for games. Zero. We need solutions to a crisis that's been uh, decades in the making. And we need a plan that actually shows that those in charge understand that throwing billions more at a broken system is not going to fly. We cannot keep, you know, supporting payments to fix fax machines and broken things that just make the system slow and outdated. We need actual change. Plus, for the first time, and we've talked about it, talked about it on Monday, politicians basically now have permission to tackle a topic that's always a third-rail topic, and that's this seismic shift in attitudes over private public health care delivery. And we went through the numbers. Ipsos Public Affairs, which polled for uh, Global News, they find a huge majority of this country are open to what we've always been told no one wants. And so you look at the numbers, 59% support private delivery of public care, 60% outright support private care if you can afford it. And up until now, you know, any talk of private and public care or two-tier system is always turned into fear-mongering about American-style care, but the polling shows 85% of Canadians want drastic change. They don't want to do health care the way we're doing it anymore. And it's a, it's a big shift. Those numbers are not small. So it puts Jagmeet Singh and even NDP leader Marit Stiles uh, on the outside looking in because they've both made clear that any money that comes in this deal should only be given to provinces that don't use private care. Singh only supports universal care. And he's been heaping scorn on the prime minister, who, by the way, you know, reverse course on his health care stance, because two years ago, Trudeau, like Singh, only supported public health care. But Trudeau is now pushing for the reforms to get this money and even called Premier Ford's recent changes to public not-for-profit care, private care, uh, as innovative.
And those comments were not missed by even those in his own party who were not too happy about his change in position. But Ipsos polling shows 75% of Quebecers actually want more private care. They're 15% above the, you know, the national average. So maybe he's listening to those votes, I mean voices, right? So Singh said as late as Monday night that uh, any agreement that does not include clear commitments to hiring healthcare workers and investing in private care would be a failure. But of course, it's always met by the uh, small print that he says, you know, he's not going to stop the deal. So no, he's, he's not going to take down the government, not even on something he passionately tells us he believes in, right? So it's going to be a big day. It does matter because we're talking about whether or not we are going to see more of the same or are we finally going to bring in the fixes that we need. And unless we fix the supports and all the things around the system, the system can't be fixed. And I mentioned fax machines. I mean, it's true, they use them still. They still send out 152 million faxes a year. <laughs> That's insanity in 2023. I don't, even know if my, I don't even know if my producer or my board up know what a fax machine is. I mean, I was seven when they became all the rage. It's a long time. Oh yeah, Heather knows. Yes, I do. She might've seen one in a museum. She struggles with it. We all struggle with them. We all struggle with them. It's like a printer. But nonetheless, I mean, that's, that's still, we paid a billion dollars, don't forget. We lost a billion dollars when George Smitherman updated the system. Remember, we we're going to have this fantastic digitally linked universal care. Everyone could talk to each other. Hospitals could integrate themselves and everyone could share stuff. No, 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 no. Billion dollars gone and we're still faxing stuff. So again, Billions more in spending, that is good, but is it going to be spent right? Alex Pearson, weekdays at 9. We are 640 Toronto. A little bit of a kind of uplifting story, because uh, it's not the apple that, uh, an apple a day that keeps a doctor away, it's maybe a puppy. This is one Toronto doctor uh, making kind of an unusual diagnosis and prescription for her patients, and it's legal prescriptions that recommend that her patients maybe get a puppy of their choice to get them out walking and uh, giving them lots of love. So it's not a prescription. It's what we would call a pup-scription. And it is getting uh, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel lots of headlines. People seem to love this. She's a family physician, and she joins us now. Doctor, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on, Alex. When you uh, prescribed this, didn't you think that it would uh, catch on fire like it has? No, I thought I was saying something that was patently obvious to any pet owner. Anybody who's had a cat, who's had a dog, even other animals, there's that connection piece. You know, I look my puppy in the eye. My puppy looks back at me. And there's this instant karma. There's this instant connection. And, you know, I take the dog for a walk. You know, and what happens? Not only am I walking, but I'm also enjoying an experience with another sentient creature. And moreover, if I'm lucky, somebody might come up to me and say, hey, cute dog. (laughs) You know, so there's a lot of layers to this. Absolutely. But no, I wasn't expecting this. I thought, meh, everybody knows this. This is patently obvious. And never mind. There is a significant medical literature that supports that is an actual prescription. In fact, it's so powerful, you wonder why it's not even in the guidelines. 
<laughs> well, they're expensive probably for, for other people, but uh, it, it is, it, I don't think this is the first time, or is it the first time that you've done this? Because your, your patients and people that wanted to be your patient hadn't heard of this and, and said, how do I get a doctor like this? But how serious are you when you uh, kind of sign something like this? Is it is it for certain issues that you're seeing within your patients that you don't necessarily want to turn to medication? You think, you know what, a good dose of... Uh, Puppy or animal puppy love. love. I don't puppy love. I, I I wish I could give a prescription for love all the time. You know, I wish I could cure loneliness with a simple prescription like that. We know that loneliness is it, it's it's a smoking equivalent when it comes to the harms to health. It hurts us that much if we feel like we're alone on planet Earth. It's very damaging. So can we do better? And I think, you know, for a lot of people who really don't have a lot, do they sacrifice for their pets? Is this only for people who have tons of money? Absolutely not. And I think it's doing a tremendous amount of preventative medicine that we're not nodding to, that we're not acknowledging. You know, so it's, this is absolutely fascinating. When Dr. Bill Thomas, he's actually a family doctor, he became the medical director at a New York nursing home. He walked in for the first time and was appalled by its sense of deadness. It took convincing, but he managed to talk authorities into bringing pets into the nursing home. I'm not talking about this one. He brought in dogs, cats, hens, exclamation point, and rabbits. And he put a caged parakeet in each of the residents' rooms. And you know what? Within a few short weeks, those residents began to emerge out of what he called a dull and dispirited slumber because animals were able to deliver what had long been missing, variety, spontaneity, purpose, and meaning. And the number of drugs needed to control a residence agitation went way down. So there you have it. Yeah, look, when I'm uh, ill or doing uh, down, my cat and dog either, yeah, they always just linger around and do something. They're always close by. And, and uh, interestingly, when my stepdad was uh, dying of uh, dementia, we had a little, um, it wasn't even a real cat. It was like a, stu- it was actually kind of creepy. It was like a stuffed cat that somehow had like a purring mechanism. But we put it under his hand. He would pat this thing. <laughs> All day long, he really liked it. And I think they, you know, it just gave him some kind of uh, of a connection. Um, is this your first time doing this? And what's the reaction you get from your patients? It's not the first time I've done it, but it was the first time I've tweeted about it. And the reaction from patients, the way I look at it is this. If I have an encounter with a patient and that patient laughs or smiles during the visit, I know it's gone well. And if they haven't, I always question, could I have made them laugh or smile somehow? Because that connectivity doesn't just extend to a pet, it extends to a doctor. So what happens when we're able to connect on that level? It really does make a difference to the relationship. Remember that word relationship with a doctor? I tell you it's going mm-hmm. out of fashion now with all the virtual mm-hmm. care, the doc in the box. But this, is, this goes a lot beyond that. Right. It's connecting to what what's important to them. It's and it also helps prevent me from getting burnt out. So there's there's a lot of subtlety that goes into that. And and I think that was one of the reasons because I have considered why did it get seven hundred thousand views? That's insane. Why would people respond to it? I think because in a way when they see that prescription, it's like a mirror. It forces them to ask. What has this meant in my own life? 
You know, what does this yeah. prescription mean to me? Talk about preventative care. We're doing it. That's that's that prescription. Yeah, essentially you're saying get out of the house, go take in the sun, the air, the whatever, meet people, see people, which I think is such an important part of the high. But if you can do high, like you've got to get out of the house, you got to go to the workplace just to be around people, rejuvenate yourself, clear your head. Yeah. Um, but if your patient obviously has real issues, it, the puppy's not the prescription. It, it, it's I, I would think that that is just the gentle human touch. But obviously, if your patients need something, it's not that they're going to get a puppy. Thank you very much for that. Because <laughs> I'll get emailed and people are like, is she crazy? She's going to give everyone puppies. I'm like, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure she knows what she's doing. <laughs> you know something? I think what happens is there's, there's different levels of medicine, right? So there's a level of medicine that addresses only what the person comes in for and is very, very concrete about it. But I'll tell you something. That's not the doctor that I want to have, and nor is it the doctor that you want to have. You want to have that doctor who, who you go in and they not only address what's going on, yeah, maybe I'm an idealist, but they ask, why is this going on? You know, and then they, and then they go beyond that and say, what does, what does that experience actually mean to you? And how do you think moving forward, are we going to do things a little differently? You know, so there's different levels of medicine, right? And so we're at a space right now you know, with, with so many people not having a family doctor, that that mm-hmm. art is sadly getting lost. But it's yeah. not really lost. For the people who do have longstanding relationships with family doctors or nurse practitioners or even their hairdresser, it feels good. <laughs> we hold hands, the human touch, the human experience. It, it has always been the backbone of medicine and will always continue to be. And long after we've solved the problem of I live alone, I get <laughs> sick alone, and I die alone. So yeah. this is it. Sometimes, you know, you sometimes just having someone, yeah, someone just listening to you can just sometimes be uh, be the the dose of medicine uh, you want. My sister just texting saying, "I want that doctor." I'm like, "Yeah, get in line." Uh, just doctor, before I let you go, because I don't want to miss the opportunity, because it is a big day. We're going to get a big health announcement, and you are a family doctor. What do you want to hear today that will make what you do better and have more doctors coming up want to be a family doctor? What do you need to hear today? Let's learn from what other countries have done that work the best. You know, open systems that, you know, I can access charts, that makes a big difference. So if I'm seeing someone new, I have the benefit of what of the wisdom of other physicians with the permission of the patient I'm seeing, but we need systems that can do that. We need to learn from other countries about what has worked and what has not when it comes to paid care, private care. I worry about an open system in which doctors can literally charge anything they want. And I have seen it, $5,000 if you want to be my patient, that kind of thing. And I just Mm -hmm. shake my head at it. You know, so we need, we need, really strong oversight on the part of governments to ensure that physicians are behaving within very strict guidelines about what we're able to charge and what we're able to do, especially because there's such desperation out there. You know, people will literally, you know, desperation means vulnerability. They're, they're actually synonymous. So we can, you know, learn what's worked and hopefully take that wisdom. So we'll, we'll have to see what comes down the pipe. I'm hoping to see certain 
activities taken away from family doctors. We know teams do better when it comes to managing chronic problems, bringing yeah. home care to where it's needed to older yeah. people. Yeah. You're asking my wish list. I can go on, but you're probably <laughs> going to have enough time. Yeah, you know, no, doing I, prevention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, vac- I, I hear you. Yeah, vaccines and even cancer screenings offered through pharmacies instead of simply, you know, having to go see your doctor. We need a 28-hour day to do everything that's just evidence-based right now. And clearly, that's not possible. But are there better ways to do things? 1,000%. And so what we need is the political will, right? Well, we seem to have some polling on our side that Canadians definitely want change, and they're willing to look at two different systems. They don't care. They want care. I'm up against the clock, doctor, but uh, I appreciate you making everybody smile. And uh, let's hope you guys get what you need today. Thank you. Many thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. There you go, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. And a lot of people are saying, well, why is she giving puppies? People need care. It's just, it's a way of being light and a little bit human. It's, she knows what she's doing, right? Nonetheless, uh, made a lot of people smile. Uh, but yeah, the health announcement certainly uh, waiting for a lot of news. The doctor part of it. Remember, Trudeau campaigned a doctor forever Canadian. That is a hell of a big hill to climb. So we need money for that. What it's going to look like and can we draw them in is a completely different discussion.